This episode of the SaaS Revolution Show is sponsored by Crankwheel. Uh, when you finally get that hard to reach prospect on the phone, don't waste the opportunity by booking a follow-up web conference. Instead, try Crankwheel, a screen sharing platform made for telesales. Let's you easily add a sales presentation or live demo to any phone call, keeping the conversation going. As winners of the SaaS startup pitch competition, Crankwheel knows the importance of helping our community. That's why they're offering you the chance to sign up for free for two months, unlimited trial of all professional features. Just visit crankwheel.com forward slash SASDOC and go for the close on that first call. And don't forget, if you want to become an empowered SaaS leader, then SASDOC Remote has your back. Uh, our global virtual conference is back from the 23rd of February to help you, the SaaS founders and execs, get traction, grow and scale your SaaS. How? We'll be having deep dive workshops with uh, industry experts such as Jacko van der Kooi. We'll have one day of case study content around big problems founders have solved. Founders such as Tope Awatona, CEO of Calendly, recently raised huge round. Uh, Joel Gascoigne, CEO of Buffer. Uh, Edith Harbo, uh, CEO of LaunchDarkly, uh, amongst others. Uh, we'll have one four hour session the following day of tactical talks to help your SaaS company win in 2021. If that's not all, SaaS.Remote will open up again on the 3rd and 4th of March for two four-hour days of networking. Pre-book meetings with attendees using the networking tool, meet SaaS founders, meet with VCs, find your next customers, raise that next round. Just connect with SaaS entrepreneurs and execs from across the globe. Get your ticket at sas.com forward slash remote. Use code SASREVOLUTION20 for a 20% discount. Now on with the show. There are just too many companies in the SaaS graveyards who had a great product, but just did not bring, did not have a good go-to-market strategy. And so marketing is critically important. And in some ways, we actually say that your marketing will impact more people than your product ever will. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Deb Basu, CEO of Powered by Search. Welcome, Deb. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Um, so, so, uh, we were just chatting before we were recording that uh, I'm admiring your 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 your, your background. Uh, your, I think your your home camera uh, display uh, is uh, is strong, um, and uh, maybe some some quick tips in there and, and what you're using for for those that are watching. Uh, this is this is your version of the suit and tie, obviously. So um, you know, in lieu of that, what I've got over here is just a very simple Sony A5100 camera. Uh, Sigma 16 millimeter lens, uh, one of those Elgato key lights, and uh, and just kind of like backfill lighting in the room. So I, I spent a little bit of time just understanding how good lighting setups would work because I knew I'd be doing a lot more virtual events and trainings and things like that. And so here we are. Looking good, good. I'm excited about today's conversation. I, I, I often uh, am, uh, but when we sort of put forward the the, the topic of uh, the nine revenue accelerators to creating an unstoppable SaaS company. I thought, uh, well, that's a punchy title, and uh, if you're a SaaS founder, who wouldn't want to listen to to this podcast, right? So uh, I'm excited to kind of find out what are these nine uh, revenue accelerators, as I'm sure are the listeners and those that are watching uh, on, on video. Um, but first, before we, we we get into this, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, like who who you are as a person, and um, you know, what Powered by Search is, you know, how how you come to be, uh, you, you know, founding the company. And, and so on. Yeah, 100%. So um, I'm the founder of Powered by Search. Uh, this is a company that I've invested about in like the last 11 years in. 
I've been marketing since I was about 16 years old. I'm 33 now. So in a half my life, basically. And always been interested in technology. Uh, I speak a couple of different languages and I've lived it, half my life in India and half my life in Canada. I call Toronto, Ontario home today. And uh, I live here with my wife and my dog, a beautiful golden retriever called Jack. And so that's a little bit on the personal side of things. Um, what Powered by Search does is we work with B2B SaaS marketing companies or SaaS companies. And we help them specifically with filling their pipeline and helping them scale up using demand generation. And uh, essentially, the marketing goes from becoming unprofitable when they first come to us, being completely bankable, uh, you know, in, through the process of working with us. Typically, we work with them between three and five years. So it's a, a longer time frame. Uh, and the consulting model that we have in terms of, you know, whatever they, they've had in the past, whether it's an in-house team or no team whatsoever, or if it's a hybrid team for that matter, uh, we help basically take some of these playbooks that we have for building demand generation and then start imp implementing and deploying it in their business. You know, a couple of questions there, actually, and then before we, we go into that. So uh, 11 years or, uh, again, you're, you're only 33, so it sounds like perhaps you either you uh, you, you know, straight out of college, you started this business, or or, or maybe like you, you know, you, you're at uni, and, you know, as you were 21, uh, start started the business. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, 11 years again, like a long time. You know, have you have you ever kind of had that like you know, when the founders get to the five year point, you know, start to kind of think about like, oh, do I want to do this for another kind of five years? And ever had that kind of experience yourself personally? Yeah, you know, I call it the seven year itch. Um, and whether it comes at year five or year seven, it absolutely happens. I think it um, it did happen. And what happened or what, what helped me get through it is this idea of reinvention and kind of evolution. So, you know, we started out working with Fortune 1000 and 2000 companies, primarily helping them with SEO and with paid search. And then we kept adding on and kind of the agency evolved. And the other shift that we also made that made it really exciting was moving from uh, a co-located office with folks only in Toronto to well before the pandemic basically struck, we moved to an entirely remote first model. And that kind of really became, it was an exciting time in the business because it allows us, allowed us to basically tap into talent from all over. Um, our, our most recent hire is actually from your side of the pond. Uh, he's joining us from Wales as a head of growth for Powered by Search. And so now we have people kind of spread all around the globe. And so as a result of that, I think that it, it just kept the business fresh and the challenges were brand new as well. And then obviously moving up market in terms of starting off, you know, in 2009, when I was you know, 21, um, starting off with helping small businesses back then to now really working with some of the largest B2B, you know, SaaS businesses and technology businesses in the world. Uh, that, that part's always very exciting. And I mean, and at the end of the day, marketing's always changing. So there's always something new to learn and to implement. A lot of agency and services business, they, they have that path where, um, they then, you know, take, uh, I, I guess, you know, what they built, you know, build a, a SaaS business off the back of it. And like, you know, I mean, there are many examples and you know, profit well uh, being, being yeah. one as uh, like well known. Have you ever thought about that? Is, is there a path for, for you guys to becoming a, a SaaS business yourselves or is it like, let's keep laser focus on what we're doing because it works well? Yeah, so I think the, the the strategy that I'm a fan of is really building more of a portfolio or holding company type of strategy. So I look at it as uh, the three types of businesses are are services businesses. So you know, agencies are not a sexy business, but they're a very profitable and uh, required business as well. Uh, at the end of the day, growth is hard work, and you need many brains and hands to be able to do that. So I think we've built a great services businesses now. Uh, the, the other two types are SaaS and information businesses, right? So training businesses 
businesses, as an example, um, or events. So um, I think over the course of the next 10 years, we're going to build in each one of those areas, effectively taking what we know how to do well, which is empowered uh, by search is in many ways like a SaaS business because uh, we work with clients on a subscription basis and a recurring revenue basis as well. And we're leveraging our, you know, our IP to be able to help them grow. So uh, much more of a strategic agency than an executional agency. And so, yeah, I think SaaS is definitely something that is um, on my mind as well. Right now, we're, we have this unique ability to work with so many different kinds of businesses and take a peek inside uh, you know, everything that's going on, everything from the demand gen funnel to their CRM systems, to product analytics. And we're taking ideas and cross-pollinating them all the time, um, starting out with just investing in other businesses. And then obviously down the line in the future, I think you wouldn't be surprised to see me uh, getting involved in, in SaaS myself, either buying and build or building up. Well, uh, and, and if you do get involved in SaaS, then uh, you'll know the nine revenue accelerators uh, that will build you know, an unstoppable SaaS business, right? And um, uh, not only that, but, but uh, we'll, we'll help uh, you know, build towards this 100 million uh, ARR uh, business. So keen to, to dive into that, uh, Dev. And um, you, you know, for, uh, for, for those that are, that are listening uh, to uh, the podcast, and um, uh, just an FYI that we, we uh, you know, have been publishing the SaaS Revolution show on YouTube, you know, over the last kind of sort of year or so. So there is a video version to watch, uh, you know, if you want to see the, the lovely background that Dev has got or see our two faces, but also to kind of show the, the worksheet that Dev is, uh, is going to kind of guide us through uh, and, and have a look at this kind of visually. So you have your options to, to listen to um, the SaaS Revolution show on your podcast or, or watch on, on YouTube. Uh, as well. So, so Dev, um, let's go through these nine uh, accelerators, uh, you know, take us through them. Yeah, absolutely. So the revenue accelerators actually only matter in the context of the outcomes that they actually drive. So they're levers, essentially, that you can pull in the business. So the three levers that create an unstoppable SaaS business from our perspective are you, you need to have what we call a high level of QPC or quality pipeline certainty. And so you imagine sort of the, the problem that a lot of SaaS businesses have is they fall in two camps. They either have a great product, but they don't have great marketing or they have great marketing and they have a subpar product that they start working on and making better. Uh, we tend to work with the companies who have a great product that's the best kept secret in town. And it's essentially they're not the, the category dominant leader in their space right now. And so if they have a product that's an eight and above on a scale of 10, we take their marketing to an eight and above as well. And those two things create this sort of dominance where they move from obscurity towards uh, you know, completely like owning their space. So QPC is one of them. And you know this is true if like if you are only, you know, um, hitting 75% of your targets every single quarter, then your QPC needs some work. If you're hitting only 50% of the targets per quarter, uh, then you need a lot of work. And so the, the types of sort of areas that we have a, a bell curve that we look at, and on the, the, the left side of the bell curve, you've got essentially companies who've kind of stalled out. They don't really believe in marketing anymore. Uh, there's companies that are at you know, the 50% level, they're sustaining. Um, and really what they're doing over there is working on positioning. I'm sure you've had people at SaaS Talk talking about that. Um, and then the ones who are at 75% are scaling up and they're really putting in some process. And the last one, uh, you know, when you're hitting over 100% of your, your quota, I, you know, whether that's in a product-led growth model or if it's through um, putting in a sales team, you know that's true when you hire your next account executive that by, you know, day 30, 
their calendar is already full with appointments. That's basically the dream that most SaaS companies want to go for. So QPC is one of the outcomes and sort of the, you know, on the left-hand side, you're stalling out. On the right-hand side, you're soaring and you're hitting more than 100% of target. Uh, the second is your LTV. And so um, one of the theories that we have is that uh, a lot of the times your LTV tends to be all over the map because of your marketing and not so much because of your product. I and mean, how that shows up is if your marketing promises outcomes that your product cannot deliver, uh, people buy and then they churn out within their first 90 days. And that shows up in not only your churn numbers as well as your LTV, it also affects the third, the third sort of outcome or the driver, which is your cost of customer acquisition, right? And so the idea there is, if your marketing and your product are synonymous, meaning all your marketing does is amplify the features, benefits, and core payoffs that your your product actually delivers, then you're going to have the lowest possible cost of customer acquisition because those customers stick with you longer, they love on you more, they tell their friends. So those are the three drivers. And now let's so now to to get there you need to do three things. You need to be able to attract, and that is all about you know the way that you get in front of somebody who doesn't know who you are. They may be problem aware, but they're not solution aware, and they're certainly not aware of your particular platform. You need to be able to engage them because I mean, if you're selling a product that's over a hundred dollars a month, if your ACV is you know the very minimum in twelve hundred a year, and on the maximum, like we we work with companies that are doing ACVs of half a million a year, multi-year contracts. Um, you know, they're selling B2B as well. This, the, the important part here is actually to engage because if you've looked at your analytics, you probably know that uh, no one comes to your website the, on their first uh, attempt, first discovery, essentially. They don't click an ad or they don't you know, go over your blog and immediately sign up for a demo or for a trial. Uh, that process is actually a, a fairly haphazard, zigzaggy type of process. If you And you know you can look at this using heat maps, uh, click tracking or, or uh, visitor tracking. Uh, and in your analytics as well. So you need a way to be able to engage them, so a way for them to actually stick around and actually consume your content and a way to bring them back when they leave. And then finally, a way to, to convert. And that is basically getting people who are on your list, people who are you know visitors and QLs, but then they're not quite sales qualified leads yet and they're not product qualified either. How do you get them to raise their hand and actually start the journey? Because until that point, you can't help them, right? So no, nothing happens until a sale is actually made. And so that's what we want to focus on over here. And we'll be put together our nine revenue accelerators within Attract, Engage, and Convert that can help you figure out how to do this. So, um, uh, you know, in terms of the, the first one, nothing happens until you create demand. So effectively, what we put together over here is a, a way of looking at nine different questions on the pathway to go to a $100 million ARR business. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, Alex, but like, I think the, the biggest... The biggest fear that keeps up most founders at night is having a mediocre business. Like to get to the 10-year mark after spending a lot of time in their business and just going, eh, it's kind of a meh kind of business, right? Um, not a great exit. You know, maybe they can't even exit for that matter. And so if you want to be unstoppable, I think that's kind of rare error territory. So the way that we put together a scale for this is if you think about a 10-point scale, uh, nines and tens are the best in market. You know, that's a green uh, six, sevens, and eights are amber. And then one through five, if you're a five or below, is really a red, and no matter which way you look at it. Now, you may be one of those people who are highly self-critical and grade yourself a one when you're really better than that. I think, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not as good as we think and we're not as bad as we think at anything. Um, but what we've done is created this sort of self-assessment mechanism. 
And so as I go through these questions, I think it'll be, um, it'll be beneficial to go look at wherever you are today, each point of improvement can, is worth at scale $10 million in ARR. So the first question is creating demand. And so creating demand, the question we ask over here is, how confident are you that you're intentionally attracting only qualified right fit traffic? So as we break that down, what we notice is that most of the, the folks that we speak to, they say that they, they're, they're unsure about the fact that only right fit traffic comes to their site. Uh, and why this happens is because a lot of the time demand gen teams, they, uh, they get a, a target from their CRO. And they say, you know what, we need to be able to hit XYZ target over the next two quarters, or we need to be able to grow MRR by 20 or 25%. So what do we do? And immediately they move towards two areas. Um, one, let's ramp up our paid media acquisition. And number two, let's start doing some content marketing to be able to get people into our blog or create some resources. And they, they often, the word uses, quote unquote, top of funnel, right? We need people at the top of the funnel. The problem with top of the funnel is that these people will find you, but uh, they may not actually be qualified or the right fit. And that's why when you, and I won't name names, but if you think about even the, the largest um, marketing technology companies, I think they end up being uh, guilty of this a lot. You might find that they start blogging about content that has nothing to do with what their platform actually provides. So I'm thinking about a well-known social media scheduling company that you and I would both know right now, yeah. um, who has content on their site about how to be more productive at work. And that's not what their software primarily drives. Like, so if you're problem aware and you're trying to figure out, hey, you know what, I've got this big library of content as a, uh, uh, a social media marketer, how do I start resurfacing the content that performed the best on Twitter uh, over the last three months? And I wanna automate that. That's a very specific use case. So rather than creating that piece of content, what I will be find is that these companies tend to go and say, well, you know what productivity is, uh, has a lot of monthly search volume. Let's go create content around that. And so you'd be best in market if you're really building your content marketing machine or your traffic generation principles in the way where you're attracting from people who are already problem and solution aware, and then building your way up once you've extinguished all of those opportunities versus the traditional approaches, let's go broad, let's get lots of traffic and then have a, uh, you know, the telltale litmus test on this is if your conversion rates from visitor to sign up or visitor to demo is less than 1%, then you know you have this problem. You're probably on the red side of the equation. So the second one is build authority. So you know you if you're going to go get some traffic, and this is about the the war on eyeballs or for attention. The next step is how do you show up differently? And so it's the build authority as a revenue accelerator it is the answer to the question: To what degree is everyone in your team on the same page about the transformational promise you make to your customers? And so if you're on the green side, you know, you probably have like a notion document that you basically bring up and you share in every single team meeting about why you're different, not just what you do, but why you do it and how you're different versus competitive alternatives. Red would be, I'm not even sure what our transformational promise is myself. And so therefore no one else on the team does as well. We find that most people over here are usually in the amber. Uh, you know, they may put in a score of six on the create demand, usually they're you know at a seven or, or six as well. And then the last one is uh, in attract is fill funnel, which is, uh, it answers the question, how robust is your system for turning visitors to your website into prospects 
that then give you permission to go to a deeper level of conversation with them. And so if you have um, content on your site where typically you might have a form or an opt-in of some kind and you take visitors and you invite them to join a, a newsletter or to sign up for a, a resource and they become a marketing qualified lead, what often ends up happening is they're a name on a list, but you have, they're a contact, they're not a customer. There's no way for uh, no reliable, predictable, and repeatable way for being able to take that person and turn them into somebody who raises their hand and say, you know what, uh, actually, yes, I do want to try the product or I do want to talk to somebody in, uh, uh, you know, in sales to be able to get a demo. So what we find over on the Phil Funnel side is this is where we find that most companies typically have a score of five or less where, um, you know, they may, be, they may be decently good at being able to get names onto a list, but they're usually poor at being able to, to, to actually nurture them, to get them to raise their hand. And so, you know, if that's you, you know, you might add up all your scores, divide them by three and get your average attract score. And again, the way to think about this is as you go through those three questions, um, every point of improvement on each question can be worth up to $10 million in ARR. So it's quite, it's quite significant. It's not, it's non-trivial to be able to get this right. If you're going through this exercise and, uh, and I guess in terms of, if I rewind that, the person that perhaps should be going through this exercise, is this the, the founder of the business or um, who would you say is the person that kind of fills out uh, this sheet? I think there, this particular sheet should be filled out by the founder and the C-level team. And so a good person to look at this and bring it to the founder, if you're a slightly larger business, would be somebody who would be a, a chief revenue officer because they're responsible both for sales and for marketing as well. And so the telltale signs we see a lot are, you know, the marketing team blames the sales team for an inability to close leads. The sales team blames the marketing team for the inability to generate quality leads in the first place. And so if you're uh, managing both of these teams and trying to get them to work better together, just taking a zoomed out, this is a 30,000 foot sort of overview into why is this happening, right? Let's actually answer these questions and see, have we set our teams up for success to be able to hit the goals that we're setting? Because everybody's good at being able to set really large goals. Um, not everyone is best in market at being able to have a work back plan to being able to get there. Right. And so this is this just avoids a lot of frustration in the business by being able to take a step back and go, OK, so how are we doing on these? And, and a lot of them, if you're, you know, the quantitative dashboards uh, are about relational progress, meaning like you look at it week to week to week. But if you really take a step back and go, hmm, are we actually attracting right fit traffic? Do we know what we want to say on our pages, our, our feature and product uh, detail pages too thin? And then also, once we actually get a name, how are we treating that person? The number one mistake that we see in Attract actually is that most, um, most SaaS companies, they think about the experience that they want their customers to go through, but they do not go through that same experience as a customer. And so therefore, it's a very seller-centric model rather than a buyer-centric model of, of marketing. And that's why they end up having, they leave so much money on the table at the end of the day. And if you find yourself, once you've gone through this exercise with, uh, with, with your exec team, that, you know, you're down in the worst of market, you, you know, you're a two or a three on average. Uh, I mean, this was quite low, um, being quite sort of uh, uh, negative here potentially, but in, the, in that scenario, um, then what would you advise the person when they're looking at that and sort of reflecting in the team that, you know, yeah. they're a two or a three, you know, what steps do they need to kind of take to kind of get them up to amber and green? Well, one of the things, if you're in the red on in any one of these areas on average, the first thing I would do is breathe and, and just go, it's not as good as it seems and it's not as bad as it seems. 
The second thing to think about is that the only room you have to go is up um, at that point in time. And the third is that you need to assess where the gaps really are, right? So if you subjectively know that you are in the red right now and you want to get to amber or green, it helps to understand what the, the pieces are that actually built this up. And so, for example, break that down by channel and go, which channel do you think is underperforming? Is it a strategic gap? Meaning, did somebody in the organization either uh, over the course of history say that, you know what, this is how we're going to create content. Um, one of the things that we advise a lot is starting with the end in mind where our content marketing practice is very contrarian compared to what we see in the industry. We actually interview our, if you're in a demo-led model, we'll actually interview account executives and we'll talk to real customers of our clients and ask them why they bought their the particular platform and where they what they were using before. And so generally speaking, uh, again, litmus test and the way that shows up is uh, your conversion rates on a sales conversation, so a demo close, you know, the benchmark we look for is somewhere between 25 and 30%. So one in three conversations close into a, a closed one opportunity. But so that's a 30% a close rate. Your visitor to demo is 1%. So why is it that a, a human conversation can get someone to raise their hand and become a customer 30 times as well as a website. And just generally because the website's quite static and it doesn't speak, it, it treats everybody as a one size fits all type of solution. And so to you to know the use cases, you actually just need to go talk to the people who are helping customers enroll into uh, or prospects roll into becoming customers and then reflect all of the the objections, the questions, the concerns, the frequently asked things on uh, the website. Uh, including things that most companies don't want to talk about, such as um, one of the, the things in our playbook is uh, the fact that we often find that a lot of SaaS companies don't have good competitor comparison pages. And the reality is they're not being compared in a vacuum, right? It's not just your solution. So if you don't create your own competitor comparison pages, what ends up happening at the end of the day is you end up seeding that to the, the review sites, right? So the, to G2 or to Captera, and you don't control the conversation in any way. You actually, one of the, the most uh, frequent frustrations we find in talking to founders is they say those comparison tables uh, that I'm sure all of us have seen are actually out of date or, or, com or completely inaccurate. And so we have a, a blog post if you search SaaS um, uh, website compare, uh, competitor comparison pages, you'll see our post on it where we talk about there's a, a tasteful way, a high road to being able to give a nod to your competition because they're good at what they do and you're building the market and your category together. But there are certain types of customers that are a good fit for you more so than they are for them. And then your job is really to shine a light on that, right? Using your marketing and your content. So um, yeah, so three things sort of breathe, know that you can only get better. And number three, uh, figure out sort of where the gaps are strategically or tactically from an execution standpoint, and then get better from over there. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, let's move on to engage and uh, uh, and take us sort of through yeah. these um, uh, accelerators. Yeah, so on the engage, I think the, the key thing that we want to do here is now you've got somebody to come to your website, your marketing site. They have not signed up for your platform, and you know it's going to be a multi-step process for the, you know, they need to know you, like you, and trust you before they, they give you any personal information and sign up for either a trial or request a demo. The problem is that you know 98% of your traffic probably bounces away from your website and never comes back. And so really the purpose of Engage is how do you get them to stick around and actually give you not only their attention, but to actually engage with you at a deeper level. And there are three accelerators over here. The first one is called Pinpoint Pain. Uh, and the idea here is, you know, uh, you'd have to ask yourself, are you selling a painkiller or a vitamin in terms of your, what your platform actually delivers? If it's mission critical, 
Um, we say that you know there's only there are only three things that any B2B SaaS, SaaS platform actually sells. You either are selling speed, so you're speeding up something from manual to automated. Uh, you are uh, reducing risk and increasing certainty. Um, and the third one is selling insights. So you know, you're know you taking disparate data and you're putting it together in a way that makes it easier to understand, creating a narrative basically with that. Um, but if none of these things are pain points for your customers, or if they need to uh, haphazardly arrive at what those pain points really are and how your product can solve them, it's too hard. And so they, they end up leaving the site. So the first accelerator is called Pinpoint Pain. It's, it sounds a little weird, but the question is, how well engineered is the content on your website to cause the prospect to know that you truly get them better than anyone else that they're paying? As you think about it, your prospects, do, they're doing three things. They're either doing nothing about their pain points, they're just kind of living with it. It's like a, a bad toothache that you don't go to the dentist to go see. Uh, they are using what we call Web 1.0 technology. So they may be using you know, spreadsheets, they may be using a word processor, uh, you know, Google Docs or whatever to be able to do it, but they're not using a modern uh, cloud-enabled platform right now. And so that would be an, we would call that audience an upgrader audience. They're literally moving from using uh, a, a, kind of a couple of jerry-rigged tools that don't communicate well with each other to a modern SaaS platform. You might be there first. Um, the second is what we call a switcher audience. And that would be somebody who's using a competitor, direct or indirect to yours. And now they're moving over. If you cannot pinpoint their pain, like with the, the current solution that they're actually using, you can't stretch the gap as to why they would want to use you. And this is where we fre frequently see this, this idea of pinpointing pain uh, being loosely engineered on the, uh, on the product pages we see for so many of the SaaS companies that we end up working with when they first come to us. So if you engineer your content to specifically to, to pinpoint use cases that are pain points that are either, you know, it's slow, it's manual, it's difficult, it breaks, um, it's too hard to understand. These are all good pain points where you can actually start, um, you know, um, pinpointing their pain. So a best in case market would be like, we have actually specifically assembled every single word on our site to uh, to identify and get in, in a show prospects that we get them. Like literally imagine if you were in the rooms where, you know, at the point of which they go, we need a solution to solve X problem that you can actually reflect X problem on your on your web pages, on your landing pages, and your call to actions and your offers, right? And so um, the key thing here is not just that you get them, but get them better than anyone else that they're paying. And so you want to grade yourself, you know, a red would be, well, we just kind of quickly put together the pages on our site and the content. Uh, green would be, we've done copy testing, we've done customer interviews, we've specifically done A-B tests around what, what type of offer or messaging converts the best. Uh, the second is ed educate and motivate prospects. So this is the idea that if you teach your prospects how to buy, then they will reward you for knowing um, your space. And instead of them haphazardly going, and I mean, no prospect at the end of the day, I'm sure, you know, the number of times that I've signed up for a SaaS solution and then work with them for exactly three to six months and then found something a little bit better, but not quite solving the problem. It's a very frustrating journey, uh, even for a buyer to be able to, you know, buy stuff, cancel it, sign up for something else and then go on. So from a seller's perspective, what really helps is to educate and motivate. So the question is, 
How often do you publish content about the mistakes your prospects are making in their industry instead of only talking about your solutions, uh, the solutions that your product provides? You know, red would be, well, we only really talk about the solutions our product provides. Green would be, we specifically create content on our site that uh, is pinpointing the mistakes that they're actually making. And so, you know, we're seeing um, one of the, the things we've seen a lot this year is a, a number of incoming prospects to Powered by Search we're all having some level of a video collaboration or video conferencing solution. They want to take down Zoom for a specific industry that they're in. And, um, you know, they're they're talking about how amazing their software really is. They're talking about, uh, you know, how low latency, for example, it might be. That would be an example of talking about their solution. The problem, on this other hand, the mistake that they're making is most co most companies are just going to use Zoom. For, for most things, right? Whether it's for a podcast, whether it's for screen editing together, for any kind of remote collaboration work. But the frustration over here is things like dropped frames, um, you know, echo and lag, the frustration of people being on mute when they're talking, uh, the frustration of, you know, the, the mistake being that the, the, uh, the audio becomes too comp compressed. These are actual mistakes that they're making before they realize they're making the mistake. So if you can educate and motivate them about that, they're going to go, you know what? I don't want to invest in this solution if it's only going to be something we change down the line anyways. We, we want to get it right. And most SaaS companies don't spend enough time in their content marketing strategy around here. So that that's educate and motivate prospects. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and the last one is calibrate call to actions. And so the question here is how consistently, effectively, and successfully do your content marketing efforts contribute to demo and trial pipeline targets? And so a lot of, of SaaS companies will create content that get traffic, but that do not generate conversions. And so this is a, a two-parter problem. One is a design problem. And the second is a, a motivation-oriented problem as well. And so if you think about the average uh, SaaS company's blog, uh, where they get most of their traffic, frankly, the blog post is meant to you know, create a, some narrative, some editorial content. But if you walk through the blog post, by the time you skim or read to the end of it, usually there is no next step. It's just your options as a reader are, you know, do I click to a similar post or a related post, or do I exit? Sometimes we see SaaS companies having like a sidebar with a book a demo or download our Gardner or Forrester report. But what we found to be most useful are in-content calibrated call to actions. The idea being that the only reason someone's reading your blog post is because they have a use case or problem that they're trying to solve. They're trying to get educated on how to solve it. And perhaps you have a, a cheat sheet, a guide, a calculator that you can actually embed right in the post itself and you'd be happy to exchange in exchange for an email address and a first name. That's how you can invite them to go deeper with you, right? Or if you're talking about a specific section or module of your platform that solves a hairy problem that your, your prospect actually has, why not, instead of calling it um, see a demo, right? One of the things we've tested that actually worked quite well is see this in action for your business, which is much more buyer-centric language because if I'm reading about something, I'm going, 
oh, really? Like I can actually just jump on for a, a shorter mini demo to be able to go and look at just this thing that I've actually am interested in. And, and I can see how that can apply to my business. And that, that applies across the gamut of everything from getting paid faster if you're an invoicing software down to, you know, your, if your video collaboration and how you can, you know, uh, have lower latency because the, the blog post might focus on um, why, it's, uh, why Zoom or using this particular platform may not actually be the best in, in your best interest if you are a, a visual effects, um, you know, uh, platform, visual effects team. That would be an example of calibrated call to action. Red on this side would be, you know what? We have the same call to actions throughout our entire site. They're kind of static and they never change. Amber would be, we we take some of our content and calibrate our call to actions or we include customized call to actions. Green would be, we have personalized call to actions. And so an example of that might be, if, if you are already on my newsletter, all right, why would I want to show you another newsletter sign up on my blog? If I know that about you because I've got marketing automation or a marketing ops platform, it would make more sense as a SaaS platform to show you the next step after somebody signs up for a newsletter. And this is the type of stuff that, you know, where we've seen studies uh, for every dollar, like 98 cents are spent on acquisition and two cents are spent on uh, user experience and on conversion. And so we think that there's a there's a better way over there to to really improve the experience and therefore improve the conversion rates that um, that your prospects go through. I think that all makes sense. And on the call to action side of things, um, I've I've seen a lot of like just you know join newsletter as the kind of the the, the main and only call to action. Um, and like you said, if you're already on that newsletter, then what value is that call to action for you as you as you're reading through that content? Because you're you're likely to read through that content because you're on the newsletter. So. so um, yeah. yeah, there needs to be uh, something else uh, uh, else there. In, in terms of like personalizing, how would you do it in that instance? Then, like technically, I'm, I'm not a you, you know super sort of technical person, so I've I've subscribed to this SaaS company's uh, blog, um, uh, and then I'm reading through the content, um, and then this SaaS company, like how would they then personalize that for me? Oh yeah, it's a great question. So. Uh, I'll go through sort of simple through advanced, um, you know, the simplest execution, uh, a friend of mine, Brennan runs a company called Write Message. Uh, we use their platform, makes it super easy to be able to showcase different call to actions based off what life cycle stage your, your prospect is in. If they're anonymous, if they're, you know, a subscriber, if they're a lead, an opportunity, or if they're a customer, even just imagine uh, one of the things that's really cool that you can do with it is you can actually say, Hey, Alex, welcome back to the SaaS stock blog. Um, you know, would you like to share the latest article with the colleague or friend, right? And it's super customized to you. So you actually feel welcome that way. If you're a customer, um, you could also do this using Google Optimize or Optimizely as well. Um, and then if you're using some sort of marketing automations platform, for example, we're HubSpot partners, yeah. you can use smart call to actions that are part of the HubSpot platform. And so many of our clients will actually build their websites right on top of HubSpot CMS. And that's just another way of doing it. Either way, the idea here is to be technology agnostic. The idea is simply to get it done and being able to move even just from you know all static call to actions to just the next thing that you want somebody to do in your fu your funnel or in your 
uh, your process to get them from going to being an anonymous person to being a customer. That might be really interesting. The other area that we see a lot of this actually becoming quite useful is a calibrated call back action, uh, call to action with a win back offer for somebody who's a churned customer. And so imagine a churned customer comes back to your blog post because you know it was useful for some reason. Having a little win back offer for them saying, you know, try the try the, the, the software again for two months, for example, or try it and we'll upgrade you to the next level, right? For expansion revenue. Great way of being able to bring them back. Definitely, definitely. Uh, sounds good. Let's let's um go into convert and the, the kind of final yeah. revenue accelerators. So convert is is all about you know you've got this person who's now a marketing qualified lead or they're a subscriber or a lead so you, they clearly you know who they are they're not just anonymous traffic they're a John Doe or a Jane Doe in your database and now you're trying to get them to raise their hand and become a customer how do you do that so primarily the the most you know frequent way that we see is twofold one is through in-app messaging, so maybe you're using something like in, uh, you know, Intercom and somebody's in their seven or 14 day trial and you're trying to get them to, uh, to get to becoming a product qualified lead, to so get them to the aha moment essentially, but they can ignore that. They can just click like the close button. You can email them. Uh, that's another way of doing it as well. One of the things that we see over here is um, you know, using um, all of the different channels, including like using the same channels you got for acquisition to be able to increase activation is something that's usually missed. So there are, there are three um, accelerators here. The first one's called Driving Deal Flow. So this is about getting somebody to raise their hand and become a sales qualified lead or to become a product qualified lead. And uh, the question is how consistently, effectively, and successfully do you delegate um, success outcomes to your team, elevating their performance and making uh, the, the performance um, of your campaigns better. So in this case, um, actually, I need to change the question over here. This is from somewhere else. So for the YouTube guys, I'll share a uh, an updated version, right? Um, but the idea is, it's a, it's about increasing your conversion rates overall. And on the left-hand side on red, it would essentially be that you don't have a consistent process for being able to do that. It's kind of haphazard. Uh, you know, if you are red, you're probably using like landing pages to be able to drive traffic to, and the landing pages have some forms on them uh, to book demos or for tr starting trials, for example. Um, Amber would be that you actually have call to actions littered throughout your feature pages to be able to capture um, information progressively. So what I mean by that is if you take a uh, take a look at a, a site like Notion, okay? One of the things that they've done really well is every feature that they actually have, they have a little email sign-up box which doesn't ask for any more information than just your email address because what they know is that's an anchor. That's an anchor that they can then ask for more information later. But without having email, they have no way of communicating with you to get you into the product experience. And then green would essentially be where you have a progressive profiling set up such that by the time somebody comes to a trial page or a demo, their information is essentially pre-filled. So all they need to do is click, you know, book a demo or sign up. Uh, they don't re-enter their information all over again, right? And now you're also doing the same things with email. Uh, one of the things that we do is take people, uh, one of the kind of insidious problems with, um, with SaaS is for, for demo-led companies, a lot of companies deal with no-shows. And so what ends up happening with a no-show is, you know, they sign up for a demo, they don't show up, obviously, there may be some sort of reactivation or rescheduling, but let's say that they just didn't, they, they really weren't motivated to move forward at that point in time. Having marketing automation follow up with them a month or two from the point that they signed up and said, hey, you exhibited interest back then, have you solved the challenge or the problem that you came to us with? Not would you like to reschedule, is a customer-centric way of being able to showcase to them, here's why you actually should come back. And they may go, you know what, the timing is right now. 
And so usually what ends up happening is it's an account executive who has it on their calendar or a task to follow up. And that's a sales led activity. But as we know, humans are fallible. We forget to do things all the time. Uh, sometimes it just kind of slips through the cracks. So you want to use automation over here where marketing can actually help reactivate a lead and then contribute it back to the sales team. Um, the second accelerator is called compressed time. And so the compressing time is all about if you have a higher annual contract value, like let's call it like, you know, $10,000 ACV and up, you're selling to kind of like larger size SMB or mid market and above. One of the things is you, you probably know, Alex, is that there's many stakeholders at that point in time. We actually see that there's three avatars. There's a check signer who pays for the software, but doesn't actually use it every day. There's a manager who is, you know, whose job is really to make sure that the team that's using the software is actually, in fact, uh, fully immersed in using it and getting productive with it. They want reports, essentially, to make sure that things are on track. Um, and then there's a daily user. And the daily user really just cares about the fact that the software saves them time. Um, so think about CRM, very good category to think about in this context. If, um, if Salesforce did not save an individual rep's time in entering deals, reps would hate using it. Um, and so they really optimize specifically for that. So compressing time is about the, the deal life cycle. So the days to close from the point somebody gets a demo to the point where they actually close. In product-led growth companies, this is about not letting the, the prospect go the full 14 or 30 days before they convert. If you can get them to convert faster than the entire trial period, it's even better, right? It's great from a revenue impact perspective. And so um, the question here is, how often are you using the same digital marketing channels that you used to acquire the leads in the first place to continue marketing to them once they become a trial user or a sales qualified lead in your pipeline? And so don't just leave it to uh, salespeople. Don't just leave it to your nurture email sequences. But like literally one of the things we built something called a... Um, a SaaS boomerang strategy, which is a remarketing strategy to showcase how people who are slightly ahead of wherever the prospect is uh, are succeeding with the platform. So, for example, um, you mentioned sort of agencies that turned into SaaS businesses. One of my friends, Kyle, runs a company called uh, Proposify. They used to be a web design agency many years ago, and then they created uh, you know proposal software. Uh, now they're moving even up market to to help like sales teams kind of standardize quoting pricing uh, and costing. And one of the things we could you know, do over here is look at them and go, if someone's in the demo sequence, but they need to get a bunch more people involved, why not showcase re using retargeting um, case studies of companies who are three months, six months, nine months, and a year into using the platform, right? Uh, it'd be a great way of, of showcasing somebody who's yet to make a decision, and maybe they're a bit up in the air, um, how they're doing. And so that would be an example of where, you know, a red would be you're not using any of the same channels. Uh, you're literally just using in-app messaging, email, uh, and sales reps to be able to follow up on the deal and try to close it faster. Um, you know, Amber would be, you're using some channels, like perhaps a laden channel like SEO, where you expect the, the prospect to just Google stuff and come back to the site. And then green would be where you're having all the same demand gen channels firing, but with different content. So now not less about awareness and more about conversion and social proof content to bring them back and convert. That makes sense on some level? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the last one's called stack strategies, which is... You know, a lot of the time what we notice is demand gen leaders tend to think in this vacuum when it comes to SaaS. And so uh, the way this shows up in conversations is I only want to see 
what PPC drove in terms of MQLs, SQLs, and opportunities, where I only want to see separated out what SEO drove. And the reality is we're not in a one-click conversion world. So these, all of these channels and the content that is, that's something that the, uh, the user interacts with is part of an ecosystem overall at the end of the day. And so the question here is how robust is your system for connecting demand generation strategies that work together, all of your earned, owned, and your paid to exponentially increase your deal flow? Red would be they're all disconnected. They're siloed. The teams don't talk to each other. Even if we have you know, different agencies, they don't talk to each other. And so there's no information sharing. Amber would be, we have some teams that talk to each other some of the time, but they don't actually have good information sharing. And then green would be, we have one interconnected system, a source of truth for information. We have teams that regularly collaborate and share data with each other to improve performance. And we have a playbook for which channels we do first, how we grow in them and which channels to go into next. And so that would be an example of like, you know, uh, I think this stacking strategies thing is something that we find that a lot of companies, you know, they get good at one channel and it's kind of a one trick pony and they don't know how to nail or crack a completely different acquisition channel. And they don't know how to take the learnings from channel A where they're succeeding to channel B, which is kind of new territory essentially for them. So having a play, playbook for being able to stack strategies can really help over here. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, Dev, thank you like so much for kind of taking us through this. And I love the way that it's in, uh, in this specific kind of checklist. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I think like each specific, you know, point uh, within, within the kind of the, the, the three kind of main areas that you could dive, well, certainly like deep into, uh, you know, make podcasts out themselves on. Um, and, um, and here we've just kind of, you know, run, run through this uh, uh, t- together. Uh, but it's good like uh, to, for us to actually kind of see, um, you know, how putting all these together can help uh, potential, you know, uh, founders and companies uh, become hundred million uh, dollar SaaS businesses or you know unstoppable SaaS companies. I mean, there. How many companies do you come across, or, or off, uh, I, I guess that are in the green that have these, uh, you, you know, boxes uh, checked? I mean, I, I guess companies that come to you are normally probably the ones that maybe they're more in the red or the amber. But I don't know if that's a kind of fair assumption. Companies that come to us are usually in the amber or the light green. And there are some that are really kind of leading their space and they're already dominating their market. They, they just want to be able to double down and accelerate their growth. So they're soaring. But the ones that come to us are a lot of the time sustaining or scaling because I mean that we're, we're problem solvers at the end of the day. They need the help to be able to, to kind of make that transition. Um, the ones who are solidly in the green, that's a very small, that's a rare error. It's about 10% of companies. But then you have about another 15% that are in the light green area where they're hitting kind of three quarters of their targets. But they're, they're, it's not something they're, they're still excited at the end of the day. It's good, you know. It's not something that um, they'd ever write home about and go, you know, what we're not uh, we're not scaling. But they are investing in process. That they know that the next step for them, they've already positioned up. They've nailed sort of who who what they do and who they do it for and what problem they solve. But uh, it's still in a state where the, the the product is better than the marketing. And they need to get to a point where the product and the marketing meet together and they become synonymous and they support each other in a holistic sort of flywheel. Um, but th- I would say that, you know, that 30% is what you end up having the, um, you know, the, the green and the then there's a 70% that are in the red and yellow uh, or the red and amber. The, the, the big thing that I want for people to be able to take away who are in the red right now is don't give up because, you know, successful marketing is really like a weapon at the end of the day, like in, in the same way that you believe already and you don't need to be convinced that a good product is 
critical to the success of a, a SaaS company. There are just too many companies in the SaaS graveyards who had a great product, but just did not bring, did not have a good go-to-market strategy. And so marketing is critically important. And in some ways, we actually say that your marketing will impact more people than your product ever will. I think those those are good um, good words of advice. Uh, I, I think you, you know as we come to the uh, the end here. Um, for those that are um, well listening or, or watching, I mean we will uh, drop a link uh, to this sheet in the blog post. Uh, but I mean if they want to kind of go direct to uh, to this uh, assessment and fill it out, um, where where can they do that? Yeah, so you could totally go to poweredbysearch.com slash audit. We'll host it there for you guys. Um, go ahead, fill it out at that point in time. And then uh, I'm just excited to see people start to work on this. It's the idea of zooming out before you zoom back in at the tactical level. Because one of the, the things we really believe is that there are really no growth hacks. Uh, there's a point where you know they work for a little bit of time, but all, a lot of what we worked on here today are our first principles rooted in the fundamentals. If you nail the fundamentals and then you can do that consistently over and over again, you can, you'll build an unstoppable SaaS company. There's no doubt about it. Amazing. And on Tuesday, the, the 23rd, uh, 3rd of February, um, you're running a workshop at SaaS Stock uh, Remote. Um, uh, what is that going to be about? Uh, and why should people attend? Yeah, so we gave the title um, Double Your Conversions, Double Your ARR. And so if we're thinking about getting really, if this was sort of the 30,000 foot level, we're going to get right down to the 5,000 foot level with frameworks for being able to dial in each one of your areas. So if you're listening to this right now, grade yourself, come to the workshop, and you'll have a pretty good idea of where you are today. If you don't know where you are, you don't know how you can fix it or, or get better. Uh, but then we're going to take some live critiques. We're going to take people who are exactly uh, you know, in, in the situation where they want to improve the way that they attract, engage, or convert. And we'll get really specific. We'll break down you know, pricing pages, feature pages, content on their blogs, things they can actually do to improve. The objective of it being that by the time that they're done, they can get back to the office and either delegate or do uh, a lot of those actions so that you know by next week or two weeks from now, they start seeing improvements basically in their funnel. And, and it shows up in the way that they, uh, they get more MRR, uh, higher quality trials, and then those three three those three outcomes really matter. Uh, you know, a higher degree of quality pipeline certainty, uh, better lifetime value, and lower cost of customer acquisition. Amazing. Well, we're looking forward to that. I think we've got about eight or nine workshops on the Tuesday that are staggered throughout the day. Um, and even though I'm not running a, a SaaS company, uh, I'm very curious to uh, to attend this particular workshop. So uh, excited for that. Um, so on, on yeah, that note, yeah, no, we're coming. Um, you know, up, up, up to the, the top of the, the, the hour here. I think, you know, fantastic speaking to you. Uh, um, love this episode. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever spoken less on, on, on a podcast, but, it, you know, it was me. I think, you know, it's kind of taking uh, a, a lot in here. And um, uh, yeah, I, I think like very kind of keen to uh, get feedback from, uh, you know, our, our listeners in terms of like how valuable uh, this was, which I, I'm, I'm expecting that it's, it, it's going to be very uh, helpful for, uh, for the listeners at home. So thanks, um, uh, Deb Basu, uh, CEO Powered by Search, um, so much for sharing this uh, with us. I'm looking forward to the workshop uh, on Tuesday at Sasquatch Remote. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.